I'm sure we all enjoyed his voice and his recitation. But one thing that was more beautiful than his recitation was the meanings of his praises. Um, just one aspect, one line of the poetry that he sang was that he was speaking to Madinatul Munawwara. It's also known as Tayyibah. Right? So he said, what can we say in regards to you except that the Prophet وسلم, is residing within you? As we all know, the grave of the Prophet وسلم, is in Madinatul Munawwara. And that we only want, he goes on to say that we only want to reach him. The only reason, the, the reason why Madinatul Munawwara is such a blessed and honored place is because of the Prophet there is no other reason for Madinatul Munawwara to be that uh, to, to be at that maqam, to have that daraja amongst the, the other lands, right? Before that, it was called Yathrib, and there were two Arab tribes, as we all know, Aus and Khadraj, and and it was also being ruled by the Yahud. But then, when the Prophet ﷺ came to Yathrib. He changed this, uh, the name to Madinatul Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And after that, we all know what happened. Medina became the capital of Islam, and from there, Islam just spread. And now, Medina is known as the second holiest place in the world after Makkatul Mukarrama. So, Jazakumullah Khairan for uh, the recitation uh, of the praises of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Next up, our next speaker is Mufti Azimuddin Ahmad. Uh, we all know who Mufti Azimuddin is. Uh, he serves as director of Masjid Dar Salam. He was born and raised in the Chicagoland area. At a tender age, he memorized the Holy Quran. Thereafter, he traveled to South Africa where he studied a rigorous eight-year Alamiyah and Iftah course at Dar Ulum Zakaria. During his studies, he was blessed with the opportunity to spend extensive time in the company of one of the world's elite jurists and scholars, Mufti Rilal Haq Hafilahullah. After graduating with top honors from South Africa, he went to earn a BA in psychology from Elmhurst College. He served as the director of AIA Masjid in Frankfurt, Illinois from 2006 to 2012. His topic, inshallah, will be the Prophet's resolve, the Prophet wasallam's resolve in trying times. When afflicted with adversity, our first response is, to, is usually to question, why me? Forgetting that the most beloved people in the sight of Allah Ta'ala are tested, and that the Prophet ﷺ was the most severely tested. Learn how the Prophet ﷺ dealt with his trials and tribulations, and discover that at times when Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala wants goodness for a person, he puts them through difficulties. Yeah, inshallah, if everyone could stand up, please, and move forward. We have all this space over here. Everyone can come forward, inshallah, please. You want to just stand up a little bit in the back? The brothers can stand up. It'll freshen up a little bit as well. Here on the sides, up front, there's a lot of space here.
for the youth, I'll say alhamdulillah, especially for those from out of town looking to eat good things. Alhamdulillah, when you come to the Darussalam retreat, not only are you getting your soul nourished, you're also going to get your body nourished. So we have some of the best cuisine uh, coming in the next half hour. For lunch, we've got portos, porto peris for all of you. And we also got the central burgers. So the best of both, inshallah. So there's no reason for you to be going out to eat. And uh, if you have friends who are here but are not in the masjid at the moment, please message them. Inshallah, hopefully the lure of lunch will get them back in. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Rabbi shahli sadri wa yassirli amri wa hlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Subhanak la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Subhanak la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Subhanak la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Amma ba'd. Qala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُوعِ وَنَقْصٍ مِنَ الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَنْفُسِ وَالثَّمَرَاتِ وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ الَّذِينَ إِذَا أَصَابَتُمْ مُصِيبَةٌ قَالُوا إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ أُولَئِكَ عَلَيْهِمْ صَلَوَاتٌ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ وَرَحْمَةٌ وَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْمُهْتَدُونَ Respected elders and brothers, mothers and sisters, dear students, assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This topic, alhamdulillah, that has been given to me uh, a, 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 in line with the theme of this retreat and how to embrace difficulty and understand it especially from the life of Rasulullah as explained in the Quran and so there are so many different avenues and ways to address this topic and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I want all of you to make this niyyah now that ya Allah allow the speaker to be inspired to reflect on this topic in a manner that is beneficial for me uh, whatever difficulty or issues any one of us who's listening to this live or who's going to listen to it later on, our goal and our, pr our prayer is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us within this short period of time to say something which is beneficial to every single individual who's listening and who will listen onwards and who will pass it onwards. If you all make this niyyah now, then inshallah exactly what you are in need of, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will deliver it to you. That is the trust we have in Allah in every talk that we sit. That Ya Allah, I'm sitting with intention of talab, with desire to learn, with the desire to seek guidance. I've come from far and wide to come here to benefit myself. Oh Allah, allow the speaker to say that which I need to hear the most in my life. And you'll notice then every single talk will be like as though that speaker is speaking directly only to you. Okay, so we should all make this niyyah inshallah. Alright, right now. That Ya Allah, allow this speaker and all the other speakers for the remaining uh, the conference say those things which are most beneficial to myself, to my spouse, to my children that will be of benefit. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, my beloved brothers and, uh, and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is first and foremost, we have to remind, remember, He loves us more than anyone else. He's our murabbi. When, our, 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 uh, when, our, when, when a person, outsider gives you sweets and your dad is there and right, you're a little kid and that someone says, hey, come over here, give me, I'll give you candy. Your dad's like, hey, you don't know who this guy is, just come over here. Nobody's giving me candy. What does your father say? Brother, beta, what, what, what candy? I've given you the, the, the keys to candy stores, right? I've taught you how to become a candy store owner. What, why are you running and leaving me? It's because I'm excited to leave, get out of my car to go over to someone who's giving you one, one, you know, one piece of, of sweets. Do not become attracted by that. Instead, remain focused on the fact that your Lord gives you everything. Now, at this very moment, as we're sitting in the car, maybe I don't have a candy for you. At this very moment. But look, something beyond that is you have your own car. You have your clothes, you have your phone, you have your, we're gonna go have lunch, we're gonna have dinner. We have so much more than one sweet, one candy, one chocolate bar. 
What foolishness it would be to leave the car, leave the father and say, I've got nothing to do with you. Why? Because someone is offering me sweets. That is foolishness. But sometimes unfortunately people do. But similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the true murabbi haqiqi, the true lover, care, the giver of nourishment, of health, of wealth for all of us. And at any given moment, you may be enjoying Allah's blessings. Not you may, you are. But shaitan makes us forget the fact that how we are drowning in Allah's blessings and we see someone giving us something that seems attractive. And we say that that, for example, intoxicant or that... Uh, you know, enjoyment for one minute is something that I am not being provided in Islam with. So let me leave Allah, let me leave Islam behind and throw it behind my back and run towards that. That is the ultimate foolishness for a person to turn his back on his Lord who has been always with him, will always be with him and he is the one who is even facilitating for you to do what wrong you want to do now. If a person wants to look at haram, where do those eyes come from? Allah. If a person wants to listen to haram, he knows I should not be listening to this music. I should not be looking at these, these evil, filthy things. But he is doing that with the eyes that Allah gave him, with the ears that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him. He is thinking how he can manipulate or deceive someone. He is using the mind and intellect that Allah gave him. And all along he is thinking that Islam doesn't give me, God, what does Allah has done? Bayi. If Allah didn't give you these eyes, you'd be blind. If Allah SWT didn't give you ears, you'd be deaf. If Allah didn't give you intellect, you'd be in a, in a, unfortunately in a, in, a, in a mental hospital. All of these blessings you're using against Allah. And that's one of the du'as that we say, Allahumma Oh Allah, I seek forgiveness, in you, uh, forgiveness from you for having used the blessings you gave me to disobey you. Oh Allah, I seek forgiveness from you for having used the blessings you gave me to disobey you. And that is something deep. That every single time a person, you know in Urdu they say, apni billi, apni Right? They say that you're, you know, namak haram, or all these words they use. That a person uses the blessings that has been given to him by someone, he uses that right back against the one who gave it. Someone offers you a, 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 a money and you use that money against that individual. So when a person becomes disobedient, he should remember that as, as nice it may seem that the world is taking care of you, that people care about you, that people love you, there's no one who cares the way your parents care for you, right? That's what we say. That's the truth of it. Well, beyond that, the mom and dad, the love that they have for you, where did that come from? Where did that come from? A mother didn't have any children. Now she has a child. She used to sleep all night, nicely, peacefully. No one would wake her up. Alarm would go off. She wouldn't wake up for Fajr. Now, subhanAllah, she has a child. Every half an hour, she's awaking. She's awake. She, she, she's on two hours of sleep in 24 hours. And she's functioning, providing the milk for the baby, changing the diaper. Where did this rahmah and love come all of a sudden, that lady who said, I don't care, I'm not going to clean the house. I'm not going to go to work. I'm not going to go to school. I want to sleep in. Now she's become a mother. Things have changed. Where did that come from? That came from Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one instantaneously who's put the mahabba. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who puts the mahabba of the child in the mother's heart. And all of a sudden, she changes. So my beloved friends, we need to start off with this very basic principle that no one loves us more than Allah. Genuine, this is not just like, you know, empty speech. If we don't, if we can't get, if we can't understand this concept, then we're going to have a lot of problems moving forward. Like someone who thinks, my mom hates me. My daddy is out there to destroy me. If that's your mentality, I'm speaking on average. I'm not speaking about specific situations. Generally speaking, if a person has this attitude, which unfortunately we see that today, that my dad hates me. My mom is out to destroy me. Subhanallah, do it. 
I mean, this is pretty bad. <laughs> if your mom wants to destroy your life, you know, we should do qunut nazila for you here after Fajr. Because that's a pretty bad situation. That you got your mom and dad who are out there to kill you. I mean, this is like the whole state is against you, you know? The guy's running from the state and the state's after him. What are the chances of survival in these things? Well, if your mom and dad are out to destroy you, then you're in seriously pretty bad shape. That's really not the case, is it? It's the mentality that I'm going to run away from home because I found a young, you know, person who is willing to show me love. Like, I see this on youth speaking about it on their WhatsApp and putting it on their status. I found love and they share TikTok videos about love. And they don't even know, the, you know, any aspect of what love means, subhanAllah. It's just the, the way an adult would look at this child who runs away from his dad, runs away from his mom, over a girl he met, you know, a few months ago, online, or at a restaurant, or somewhere. He leaves his home, or leaves everything, and says, you all hate me, you all to destroy me, she cares about me. Which is, is this uncommon? Very common. Very common. Girls are doing that, boys are doing that. And as we sit there and say, Astaghfirullah, how shameful, how sad, what's wrong with these people? More shameful and more sad is the one who leaves Allah and runs towards the creation of Allah. The one who thinks that Allah doesn't have my back. That Allah subhanahu doesn't care for me. That's why He's putting me through these difficulties and these problems. It's like the fool who says, my dad wakes me up to go to school. My girlfriend doesn't. She says, you can sleep through. My mom says, get up, beta, get up and go, go exercise, go to the masjid. You know, go get a, you, you, your, your time to work has come up, 8 o'clock. Well, I, at home, my mom and dad wake me up. At her house, no one wakes me up. Hence, her house is better than my house. Just like how foolish talk that is. Similarly, the one who says, Allah is testing me. Allah makes me do this and Allah makes me do that. And if I leave Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I don't have any of these problems. He's even a greater fool. Because whatever Allah asks you to do, it's for your own benefit. Remember that. He doesn't get anything from you leading a certain type of lifestyle. What difference does it make to him if you get up for Fajr or you don't? If you eat halal or you eat haram, you, you listen to Quran or you listen to music, you look at your parents or you look at haram, it doesn't make a difference to him. He's saying it for your benefit. And the Quran says, When Allah and His Rasul invite you, when Allah and His Rasul invite you to that which will give you life, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Istajibu, say, Labbaik. Say, I'm ready. I am ready, Ya Allah, to fulfill this. Istajibu lillah. Say, I am ready when Allah and His Rasul invite you. Lima yuhyikum to that which will give you life. What does this mean? Every command of the Quran and every command of the Sunnah of the Prophet is to give you a better life. You know, for the striving for a better future. We always hear about that. Striving for the better future. If you're really striving for a better future, then the only way for you, my beloved friends, is the deen and the house of Allah. All, all other paths, all other paths will lead you straight into the pit of hell, will lead you through the pits of darkness. The only one path that will give you salvation, happiness, is the path of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we cannot, one of the gravest sins you and I can commit is the sin of having evil thoughts about Allah. Allah's out to destroy me. Allah doesn't care about me. You know, I'm, de I'm destroyed. I'm headed to hell. What difference does it make anyway? I might as well go all the way. This, what we call, to think ill about Allah is the most hurtful thing. Imagine, same thing I'm saying. As a father, I'm telling you this. As, subhanAllah, as a teacher, there's nothing more harmful, no, more hurtful than if a student or a son comes and tells you, or a daughter or whatever, tells you that, you know, I know you hate me. I know you're out to destroy me. I know you don't care about me. That is the most sinking moment for a father to hear. 
for a teacher to hear when his student or his son or daughter say that. And there's nothing more hurtful, nothing more disrespectful than a person who says that you're, this type of statement to their parents or towards their teachers. Similarly, the worst thing you can do to Allah is to say, you don't care about me. You have forsaken me. You don't, you know, you have, you don't pay attention to me. These things, these is thoughts from shaitan. Make sure we do not fall into that. The opposite of that is husnul dhan billah. To always have hope that Allah has got my back. Everyone else will leave me. Everyone has left me. But no one loves me the way Allah loves me. Allah has always been there for me. And the distance between me and my problems being solved is the distance between my forehead and the floor of the prayer mat. The, the musalla. That distance, that two feet between my forehead and the sajada and the musalla, that is the distance between my problems and the solving of my problems. As soon as I bow down, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of my problems. The question is, as, as he read in the intro, is that why do bad things happen to me? That's a question. People will say, a person, he's saying, Subhanallah, you know, why is it that all the crazy kids and crazy girls, they're getting married, they have no akhlaq, no, they have no sharafat, no nobility. I know how I treat my mother, my sisters, my dad. I'm an upright person. I, can, I, I know I can guarantee that I would treat my wife like a queen, but I can't get married. No one wants to give me their daughter. And I see a bunch of hobos left and right who've got no character, and they don't even last. After one, two months, they divorce their wives. Their wives run away from them. They run away from their wives. And that's true. We're seeing that all around us. But a guy who is sharif, good, kind, you know, jayid, uh, you know, good person, he's finding it difficult to get married. This happens. On the other hand, you see a person who's got great, great resume, great work ethic, and he's moving around looking for a job. He can't find it anywhere. And there's a deceit, deceitful, cheating type of person who lied on his interview, who hired someone to interview for him, or he, he wrote a fake interview, or he did all kinds of stuff. He has no background. He lands himself with a six-figure job. And the man who wants to go through the right method, no one wants to give him a job. We see this type of disparity. You have a person who, who tried his best, subhanAllah, who tried his best to study the deen, but his dad says no. He's dying, so please Baba, I want to go to the madrasa. I want to join the one-year program. I want to join the summer intensive. Absolutely not. You cannot do that because this will make you into a mullah. And then when you become a mullah, then you become poor. And that's the end of our, you know, future of our khandan, of our, you know, our whole family. So you have those kids who want to study the deen, but their parents refuse to allow them. And then there's the other half, right here in this crowd, I bet you this half of what I'm saying. The other half are like, please my son, I'll buy you a brand new car, just go study. He had one student like that. I said, why are you here? He said, because at the end of this, I'm going to get an Audi. Right? So I said, I said okay, mashallah. Right? You know, subhanallah. Um, I, you know, mashallah tabarak wa ta'ala. But we had, I had a different situation. My father, jazahullah khaira, told me, give me a supra if I got a perfect score in the SAT. But then I never ended up taking the SAT. I went to madrasa, right? So, <laughs> mashallah, Allah's given much, much more than that. May Allah reward my parents and your parents immensely. So this is good, encouraging our kids, right? Encouraging our children. So you have that father who is begging his son to study and he's running around from ustad to ustad, madrasa to madrasa, please speak to my son. Please, I want him to study. And the son says, uh-uh. Not me. Try everyone else, but not me. And then you have that son who is begging his parents that please let me study. And the father and mother said, nope, we're not going to allow it. I'm seeing we, half of this room is like this, half of the room is like that, right here. Very few lucky people are such 
the mom and dad and the son and the daughter are all on the same page. Chalaba, you go study the deen. No problem. Alhamdulillah. We're, we're with you. We're supporting you. And he's, he's also excited and so forth. So you notice how the disparity is in this world. All of us are going through. You're like, why didn't I have that son? And why don't, I have why don't they have this parents? Why is there no switch? The perfect. You want your son to study, but he doesn't want, hey, why don't you take this kid? I don't want to study, but my parents will say, I want that parents. Done deal. But, Allah says, we made some of you a test for some of you. That's the whole point. That's the name of the game. The name of the game is Musiba test imtihan. Very few husbands and wives see eye to eye in every single thing about the deen. Very, more than likely we see a father wants to get his son to study the deen. Mom says, on my, on my grave. Absolutely not. The wife is hiding from her husband. I just got a call yesterday. So many times. My husband does not like the deen. He doesn't come to the masjid. Please, I have no earning money. I have no pocket money. Can you please teach my son quietly Quran in the madrasa without charging anything? Because I don't even have a credit card. Where am I going to sign up? My, son ref my husband refuses to send our kids to the madrasa. But we want him to enroll in maktab. Just got a call yesterday. There are so many instances like this where the wife is teaching the deen hush, hush, hush from the husband. Husband is trying to teach the deen you know, when, he, when the kid, wife is unaware of it. And then there's lucky such places where the husband and wife and children are all on the same page. So again, you ask yourself, why is this happening? That's the name of the game. The name of the game is test, trials, difficulties. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made this entire dunya filled with masa'ib. Right? This is how it is. Huffatil jannatu bil makarih. The Prophet ﷺ said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala surrounded paradise with difficulties. And huffat naru bishahawat. Allah surrounded hellfire with lustful desires being fulfilled. In order to get to paradise, you must go through difficulty. And in order to get to hellfire, the easy way, just do as you wish and you'll get there. You say, brother, how do I get to the banquet hall? Right, left, right, upside, you know, here and there. How do I get to the gym? You give directions. The path to hellfire is very straightforward. We don't even need GPS for that. Just do whatever you want. Just do it. Just do whatever you want. Very soon you'll find yourself in the pit of Jahannam. وَكَذَلِكَ سَوَّرَتْ لِي نَفْسِي As Samiri said, my, my, myself, when Musa said, why did you do this? Why did you do what this shirk created a calf, you know, and ended up meeting, misleading the whole Bani Israel towards worshipping this calf? And why did you do this? He didn't have an answer. He said, I just felt like it. I just felt like it. How many of us sitting here, youth, mashallah, mashallah, if you ask your dad, mom and dad ask you, why are you doing something wrong? You don't have an answer. You just say, I just feel like it. Well, that's exactly what Samadhi says and that's what Iblis did. He just did what he felt like and he became Iblis. He became the worst possible creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if a person does whatever he feels like, that's a straight pathway towards hellfire. Huffatil jannatu bil makari. Jannah has been surrounded with difficulties. So if we are not going through, if we are going through difficulties right now, which I presume all of us are, of some sort, because of your mom's dad, son, daughter, sibling, work, etc. Remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves you the most. And that is why He's putting you through these difficulties. Basketball, if you, if you, if you join basketball camp, football camp, jujitsu, karate, mashallah, all these things we have, alhamdulillah. And, and also, elsewhere too. What happens? You huff and you puff. You get tired, you sweat. You do suicides. All of that, right? What happens? It's not fun. I mean, apparently, 
But we're doing it willingly because we know this exercise, this martial arts, will make us better in our sports, will make us better in, in our you know, field. And we pay willingly to go through this difficulty. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also makes us through some go makes us go through some very strong exercises. And the purpose of this exercise is for you to come out stronger than the rest. Win the game. You know, tonight is a big tournament. So when if if, if one of the you know if 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 a person is, is losing, if the team is losing, and the odds are against us, you're losing by 10 points. You've only got three minutes left. You're not going to put the bench warmers up. The people of Baraka, bench warmers like myself. We're not going to put us people there. Instead, you're going to put people, subhanAllah, who are the very best. The starters. The very best guys, you're going to put them. Say, this is the stakes are high. We need the very best players. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings down major difficulties, He says, I want the very best amongst you to come take care of this. The very strongest from amongst us are the ones who are chosen by Allah to face these difficulties, not the weaklings. So my dear brothers and sisters, if we find ourselves going through something hard, challenging, remind yourself that this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because He saw something good in me. And we reflect in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam That there was no one more beloved to Allah than him, no one more close to Allah than him, and we can say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala utilized him and accepted him and chose him to become the vehicle for his introduction to all of us. If it wasn't for the Prophet of Allah, we would have not known Allah. If it wasn't for the Prophet of Allah, we would have not received the Quran. If it wasn't for the Prophet of Allah, we would not know about the Day of Judgment. We would know nothing. We wouldn't even know who we are if it wasn't for the Prophet of Allah. That most sublime being, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to put the most difficulties upon him. Think about that. I want you to reflect. I spoke about this in Jum'ah yesterday as well. That sometimes youth and adults think, why am I going through such a rough time? Why me? Why does evil exist? Shaykh Amin, mashallah, touched upon this from a very beautiful theological perspective last night after, uh, before Isha. Why is there shar? Why is there evil? And why me? These questions, who asks? The person who has no faith. The person who has no iman, he says, why me? Why is there's a beautiful book published by the Madrasa in Azadville. MashaAllah, it's called The Blessings of, a, of Having a Disabled Child. Right? I'm not sure who the author is, but the Madrasa Arabiya in Azadville, you know, has that pamphlet I saw 15 years ago. And the blessings of a disabled child. That's, that's something true there. There's seriously, uh, when I meet parents who have disabled children, and I, you know, I can't control myself. It really, I, hide, I hide my emotions in front of them because I don't want them to... You know, um, you know, feel anything, but inside, and I meet so many of these parents, and they say, you know, mashallah, I got three kids, one's in Harvard, one's Fulan, one's a Hafid, one's this, but this kid is my, my gateway to Jannah. That's right, that's exactly right. It's not your medical student, it's not your Hafid, it's yours, it's your child that subhanAllah, you're serving 24 7 for the past 20 years, 30 years. That's your gateway to Jannah. Who understands that? A believer understands that. That, that subhanAllah, that child or that adult, they don't want to be in that situation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put them in there for a reason because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has something in, in stock for them. We need to understand that. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa the most chosen yet leading the most difficult life. I have been put to trial for the sake of Allah more than anyone else. He says. 
And I have been intimidated for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more than anyone else. This is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Did you hear? Put to trial more than anyone else. Anytime we're thinking we have a difficult life, let's pick up a quickly a book of seerah. And ask yourselves, uh, was I born with a father or no? I think 100%, 99% here, 95, 98% here will say Alhamdulillah, I was born with a father and mother. Well, there you go, right there. Nabi Sallallahu was born after his father passed away. Then how many of us, subhanAllah, have our mothers? Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam loses his mother at the young age of not 16, at the age of 6. He doesn't lose his mother amidst relatives, uncles and aunts. He loses his mother in the midst of a desert. Hundreds of kilometers away from the nearest populated area. Who's with him? A, a group of young men? One lady. One lady is mother. That's it, the three of them. From the three, his mother passes away. Imagine the scene in Abwa when Muhammad Sallallahu a young six-year-old with the lady are trying to figure out what to do with the deceased body of his mother, Amin anha. Can there be any more painful, more emotional scene than that? Trying to figure out what this young boy, six-year-old, it's a kid's running around, my son's six, running around over here. Imagine subhanAllah, what type of musibah that was. And then to, to go back for the next week until you meet your relatives back in Mecca. This is just for starters. This is by the time he's already reached age of six. By the time he reaches eight, subhanAllah, khalas the one is taking care of him, the grandfather gone too. Every single year, every single month, the Prophet ﷺ, okay, does marriage solve the problem? No, it doesn't. Marriage, people think so. The pro when Prophet ﷺ gets married, and now what happens? The da'wah starts. With the da'wah comes unprecedented level of challenges. His supporters pass away. His wife passes away. His uncle passes away. It goes all the way to Ta'if. How is he dealt with? What happens in the Sha'bani Abi Talib? In, as he's, he's put in a boycott. Not because of him, the whole family is thrown into a boycott. For years, no one's been given rations and food. The Prophet ﷺ, okay, now he has children. MashaAllah, children are a huge blessing. But now we have a problem. Ch the children grow up, they don't have food. Once, then after that, with much difficulty, get married. Then what happens? Your daughter just sent back home divorced. Not one, multiple. Okay, then just you thought that that was over. You have boys, everyone wants children. Everyone here, they want boys. Prophet ﷺ gets one boy. Second boy, what happens? Goes to be a young, handsome young man to, to walk with the Prophet. Nope. Before they reach the age of two, dead. One after another, one after another. The Prophet ﷺ, their children are passing away, and the Prophet ﷺ is burying them. Famous incident where Ibrahim ﷺ passed away. And the Prophet ﷺ simply tears up, and someone says, Ya Rasulullah, you're crying? And he says, Yes, in al-qalba yahzun wal-ayna tadma'a. Indeed, the heart is aching, the eyes are tearing, welled up with tears. And we only say that, however, which is pleasing to Allah. We will not criticize Allah. Ya Allah, this is enough. When is this going to stop? One after another. And then the Prophet ﷺ, it wasn't that his sons, his daughters get married. From the four, all three, he has to see them pass away in front of him. Only one last remaining child. Six months before he passes away, he calls Fatima. He whispers into his ear twice. First time she cried, second time she laughs. Aisha Dilana standing there. He's asking, she's asking, what's happening? He doesn't say anything to her. She doesn't say anything to her. After he passes away, Aisha tells Fatima, anha, please tell me. My husband's gone. Now tell me what happened that day. He said something to you, you cried, and then he said something to you, you laughed. He said, he informed me that he was passing away. Very soon he's about to leave the world. And I cried. Then after that he told me that I'm going to be joining him very soon. And six months after his death, he leaves. She leaves. My dear friends, the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ is filled only with challenges and difficulties. But what do we see? Resilience and patience. Expectation of reward. And then 
we realize the man who was the most chosen from Allah, Wallahi, Wallahi, Thumma Wallah, had the most difficult life of any human being. That means difficulty is a sign of Allah loving you. As long as you are not criticizing Him, as long as you're not objecting to His decision, and instead you accept and embrace that adversity with a smile, with patience, with ihtisab. That doesn't mean you can't cry. There will be times when you have to cry. Out loud. Yeah, you feel like you're breaking down. No problem. But you're breaking down in front of Allah. And you say, Ya Allah, I'm in pain right now. My heart is broken. I mean, if, if someone loses their loved one, how can you not cry? But at that time too, we say, Ya Allah, I want you to give me reward. Like we're praying Salat al-Tahajjud on the 27th night in the front of the Kaaba. Are we not expecting reward from Allah? Similarly, as a person is crying, we need to be expecting reward from Allah. That, Ya Allah, my heart is aching over this musibah, but I'm expecting the reward from you, Ya Allah. This is what the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ teaches us. And this is what we need to realize. We have to be saying, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'oon. A whole talk, a whole talk should be given. The ayah that I recited was about this. I'm going to simply translate this verse if you will allow me, Salman. Is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is the khususiyah of this ummah. This ayah is a special gift to this ummah that was never given to anyone else. Allah says, I'm going to translate what I said at the, at the beginning of the talk. Most definitely we will test you. We'll test the ummah. Bishayin with a little bit. Not too much, bishayin with a little bit. Min al khawfi of fear. Fear, fear of poverty, fear of the enemy, fear of loss of wealth and job, fear of sickness, fear of death. Khawf. Wal ju'i. Fear of hunger. Wanaqsim min al amwal. Decrease in wealth. Wal anfus. Decreasing in your life or losing life, like we lost this year in the pandemic. Wal thamarat and the fruits of your labor. Even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we're going to test you by taking this away, what does Bashir mean? What does it mean? Glad tidings. Be happy. Bishop, Bishop this is the, your, your face, your skin. Smile. Bashir, take the glad tidings from me. Give the glad tidings to those who are patient. Sabirin is plural. Meaning, you're not alone. There's a lot of people going through difficulty and there are a lot of people who are being patient. If you think you're having problems, ask this person. If you think you have problems, ask this person. Every one of you listen to each other's problems, you'll belittle your own. Give glad tidings to that group of people who are patient. Those are the people when calamity befalls them. They say, We indeed belong to Allah. We don't belong to this world. We don't belong to even our parents. We don't belong to this country. We belong to Allah. And who is Allah? Like we said at the beginning. Most loving, most kind, most merciful. He is our owner. He will take care of us. Inna lillah. Indeed we belong to Allah. Wa inna. And indeed, ilayhi raji'oon. We are going back to Him. Not going to Him. Going back to Him. When you're on your journey back home, you feel comfortable. There's no anxiety. You're not worried about what's going to happen at home. Food, bathroom, this, that. You know your house. So when you're going back home, it's a nice feeling. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, recite this dua when you go through difficulty. Inna lillah, that we belong to Allah. Wa inna ilayhi raji'oon. And to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the return. salawatun rabbim Allah says, if you say this, you are those people, alayhim salawat, blessings, special choices, blessings will descend upon you. Wa rahmah, mercy will descend upon you. Wa ula'ika humul muhtadun. And these are the rightly guided people. You cannot run away from difficulty. What this retreat is teaching us is how to embrace it, understand it, and make this a strong point for your growth spiritually and in every other sense of the word. 
I hope by the end of this retreat, the goal of it is, is to go back home rejuvenated with this spirit that whatever, we'll ask Allah for afiyah, we'll ask Allah for ease, we'll ask Allah for comfort. Why? Because we can't handle too much. We're weak people. But then we say, Ya Allah, if you give me difficulty, then Ya Allah, give me the ability to make this difficulty a means of getting closer to you. I ask Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes you and I students of the seerah. Allows us to emulate the Prophet ﷺ's lifestyle in every sense of the word. Grant us shukr in the times of ease. Grant us the ability to be patient in the time of difficulty. May He make us amongst those who understand the depth of this ayah, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. And he, may He grant us tawakkul and reliance upon Him in all times of ease and, and difficulty as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to use the blessings He has given us to worship Him instead of disobeying Him. Subhanallah wa bihamdi, subhanakallah wa bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anna astaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. G, we're gonna sit? Okay. Jazakumullah khairan muftiyazim for that inspiring speech um, in regards to what, how our attitude should be when facing adversities. And that just because we go through difficulty, that does not mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates us. Rather, it is a, it is a chance that, uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us to become closer to Him. Because the Prophet wasallam, like he mentioned, he went through the most difficulties in life. There was nobody who went through more difficulties than the Prophet wasallam. So now when we go through difficulties, this should not make us lose hope. And na'udhu billah perhaps have hatred for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, it should give us even more hope and uh, give, us, give us the sabr and give us a chance to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, Jazakumullah khairan to Mufti Azim for teaching us that. Um, so, now it's uh, time for lunch. Uh, but so, just so that everything can be done in an orderly, orderly fashion and so that there's not chaos, um, First, we will allow a brother who has, who's in a wheelchair uh, to leave uh, first.